Today on Rockfeed, we're joined by one of my favorite people here in the music industry, I Prevail vocalist Brian Burkheiser, and they have been through so much over the last few uh, weeks, like so many people in the music industry have, uh, touring on Europe, having to leave Europe abruptly uh, because of the travel ban. There is just so much happening right now, and I thought it would be important to have him on. First of all, he's like a Rockfeed OG. He was one of the first interviews I ever did on the channel, and so it's nice just to have him back anyways because they've been so successful. But also, I really wanted to dive deep into their story. They have a fascinating story that is very much rooted in DIY, how they built their band up from the ground up, how they took the band by the reins. And so I wanted just to touch on all of that and just see where the conversation takes us. Brian, how the hell are you doing, man? My guy, it has been probably the craziest uh, 48 hour stretch of my life over the last uh, the last couple of days, but I'm good. It's good to see you. It's been uh, been far too long. I know we've been uh, talking about trying to uh, do an interview here for a while, so I'm glad we finally uh, get to catch up. Yeah, and I'm 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 guessing you're at home and self quarantine. And for me, I call self quarantine <laughs> just my day to day life in general. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny because it's not it's not too far removed from what I normally do when I get off tour, just trying to uh, chill in the house and, and, you know, take some time to myself. But, yeah, it's been, you know, I, I never thought I would be doing this interview with you uh, at this point right now because it's like, hey, I, you know, I thought I would be out on the road touring. Uh, we were about halfway through our European tour and then kind of got hit with a wave. And all of a sudden now I'm just I'm, I'm back here already. So. How is the band doing? How is the crew doing? How is everybody doing right now? All things considered currently. I mean, I think everybody, you know, as you, as you stated, everybody's as good as, as, as we probably can be at this point. Um, it was a pretty hectic, uh, last couple of days where we played a show in Frankfurt, Germany. We were on our, uh, European tour, which was going really well. I think we were already out there for three weeks and we had played probably already to seven or eight different countries. And, you know, the tour was going great. Obviously there was some talk of, this virus is getting pretty crazy. And actually a couple shows were canceled while we were on the road. Uh, the Switzerland show got canceled and one of the Germany shows got canceled, but we still figured, all right, this tour is still going to power through, you know, this is probably just people taking some, you know, real precautions, which we all understood. I mean, it was a little tough because when you lose shows, obviously you, you lose revenue and all of a sudden a tour that you thought you, you'd be able to profit a little bit off of all of a sudden now you're, you're kind of in the red, which which is a difficult thing, I think, not only for our band, for but for a lot of acts that were out there. We actually, a couple of us, went and saw the NF show while we were um, while we were out on the road too, because he was playing in the same city, and even his tour had to cancel too. So I think it's it's been a pre pretty hectic time for all of us, and I don't know how much you want to get into it, but you know, it was a, it was a big whirlwind, essentially playing a show and then and then coming right off stage and instantly uh, walking onto the bus and seeing. Trump holding a press conference saying that essentially all of Europe is going to be um, banned to travel to America in a couple of days outside the UK. So we just started scrambling. What did you think when you, you come off the stage? We've talked about this a little bit. You come off the stage and your boys are like, dude, we got to get out of here. What was your initial reaction to that? You're basically having to flee Europe because you don't know how long this. I mean, it's totally understandable what they're doing, but you don't know how long that's going to last. I mean, it, it was something I think for all of us where it almost felt surreal as we were watching the clip. I mean, honestly, myself right after the show, because I was I was sick a couple of days before. So obviously with the coronavirus going on, I was a little, 
you know, I was a little shell shocked just with, with how everything was going and trying to, uh, not be too pessimistic and say, Hey, you're going to be fine. You're going to power through this. You don't, you don't have the virus or anything. You're just going to, uh, going to get over this quick. And, you know, we went into the show in Frankfurt and, and things I, you know, I was on Twitter and stuff reading, you know, things were seeming to get worse and worse, but I had no idea it was going to all of a sudden get laid down that all of a sudden, boom, you know, I see the NBA's canceling. I see the NFL draft. That was um, shocking. Like, it, I mean, it, it kind of blew my mind. And then all of a sudden I see athletes that, you know, I, I've watched for years, like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell all of a sudden have contracted the virus. So I think right then it got super real. And then, so I was reading all of that before we uh, played the show. And then after we come off and, you know, I went to my bunk and it was just kind of chill. And I remember I was texting my, uh, one of our guitar techs, Jim, uh, in my bunk and I'm like, bro, I don't know what's going on right now, but I just, my gut is telling me that things are about to get really weird here over the next, uh, the next couple of days. And then before you know it, I, I get out of my bunk to go use the bathroom and Christian, our other guitar tech was, uh, sitting in the, um, downstairs area and he instantly sees me come down and he walks up and he, he looks at me with the crazy eyes and I'm like, all right, he's either about to mess with me or he's going to tell me something really serious and he instantly goes, Trump just put a travel ban on like all of Europe outside the UK and it starts Friday. And I'm, I, I remember I literally pushed him in the head and I said, get <laughs> out of here, dude. Don't don't mess with me right now. And he's like, no, come with me right now. So I look on TV and what do you know? That's exactly what happened. So at that point for us, it was, you know, things things started to get pretty real pretty quick. And, and everybody you, on the bus. You, kind of, so how do you deal with that? I mean, do you. What's the first thing you do? You just get on the phone and start calling the, the airline and then you have all this gear and how does that even work? So, so essentially we got with our tour manager and we, we called our manager as well. And you know, the band and them kind of sat in the upstairs lobby and we, we just had a talk. I'm like, all right, let's, uh, let's kind of go through all the scenarios here and play out what happens if we get stuck here. What happens if, you know, can we stay here for two more days and still get out of the country or do we need to leave right now? So there were so many scenarios going through our heads and initially, the first phone call we had, we talked to our manager and was kind of like, all right, I think we can wait a couple of days. We're going to get to the UK because at that time, they were still allowing people to travel out of the UK. That was the big rumors that everywhere else was going to shut down on Friday. But if you got to the UK and you were screened properly and everything, you could still get out. But in our heads, we're going, man, you know, if this just happened, how do we know two days from now, the entire continent of Europe is not just going to be travel banned from getting out? So... For us, it, it was kind of the call, not only for ourselves, but I, I think for the fans as well. It just made sense that we tried to to scramble and get ourselves out of there as quick as possible. So we actually, you know, we were supposed to be headed to a to a sh another show in Germany, but it was canceled. So we ended up we already were routed to go to Amsterdam, and at that point, it just made sense to all right, let's get on get on uh, the airlines and and start calling and seeing what we can do and see if see if we can get out of here at time because we had already called the promoters and the bookers and the venues too. And at that time, everybody was saying it is in your best interest to get out. Even though some of these shows still are scheduled and they haven't been postponed yet. Everybody was 99.9% .9 certain that, you know, within the next 12 hours, everything's going to start going down. They're going to start canceling everything. So get out while you can. And, you know, the really tough thing when you're on tour, um, when you go out there, you already have all these plane tickets booked. So obviously we had our plane tickets booked out of London at the end of the tour, which was, you know, supposed to be two weeks from um, that day. And at that time, you know, we kind of scrambled and said, well, we need to try to switch those tickets because we looked up all sorts of airline fees and tickets were going for $3,000, $4,000. I mean, it was Jeez. literally going, tickets were going up $500 every couple of minutes 
and flights were just being totally removed because they were getting booked out so quick. So for us, it was a very scary situation because it's like, all right, we're not only are we, we might get stuck here, but we could possibly be a good 35, 40 grand in the hole just from having to buy more tickets. And all of a sudden this tour that, you know, you hope to profit a little bit, you hope to make a tiny yeah. little bit of money. All of a sudden you come over here and you lose your asses. And now all of a sudden this tour that, you know, you're having such a great time on just turns into a nightmare. And uh, you know, I think you guys did the right thing. And, you know, we've talked about this so much over these last few days that the idea, everyone's like, well, why are we, why is everyone canceling? The idea of social distancing or flattening the curve, as they say, is that if you can limit, it's, it's extreme what we're doing right now, not to say that it's the end of the world. It is not the end of the world. But when you have bands like you guys who are voluntarily, you know, postponing their tour you could have stayed there because shit i'll stay in europe for a month or so who cares you know but when you make that decision and, and you do that you are helping those communities where you're performing so you know i commend you guys for that and i don't want to go Appreciate i that. really and i know you agree i, I don't want to get into like i don't want to scare anybody because it's not worth being scared uh, i just hope everybody stops buying toilet paper because you're a total ass if you're buying <laughs> like crates yes. of toilet paper you know? stock up on water and canned food but toilet yeah paper, water. I, like i like i was telling you before the interview started i think the bidet market needs to uh dude needs to people need it. to look into that you can get one on amazon right now for 70 yeah. bucks but yeah I, I agree with you i don't, think I don't even drink to... water dude i drink white claw right here baby <laughs> that's, that's you know my man saying? you and eric are uh, are the same person my man <laughs> i love but, it Love it. I, I, I agree with I agree with what you said though, where I don't think people should be fearful, but I, I think people just need to get a knowledge of, of the situation. And being out in Europe for a good two or three weeks as, as all this stuff was going down, you know, it was it was pretty informative to to be going from country to country and kind of seeing the different restrictions they had. And you know, I'll be honest, from the, the previous times we had been in Europe, it definitely did seem a little thinned out in the cities or in the movie theaters or even, you know, when we went to the airport in Amsterdam and there were a lot of people trying to get out, but even still there was just a very eerie feeling there. And I think, I think with this whole thing and, you know, cause I saw a lot of comments saying, well, why are you canceling? Why can't you play the UK? Cause it's not as bad here. And, and, and yes, I, you know, I said this in a video before that that is true at this point, but I think with everything going on and with our lack of knowledge of, of this current situation and the virus and whatnot, it just makes sense. You can always reschedule a show. You can come back and play. Yep. But if someone were to die or let's say I let's say I had the virus, I you know, I was I was pretty damn sick um um being out on the road. Yeah, I just a couple got of days off the before. flu. And, and it's a thing where it's like I I would never be able to forgive myself if all of a sudden, you know, I shake somebody's hand during a meet and greet and all of a sudden now they have the coronavirus, then they give it to their mom or dad or something, and then their mom or dad passes mm -hmm. away. And I, I think that's the thing where we, we just had to be responsible not only for ourselves, for our own family members, but for the fans too, because you know, Steve, our guitarist, made a great point after we came off our last show in Frankfurt. He's like, It did kind of hit me as we were playing. I was just looking out into the crowd and two thousand people are literally there's all sorts of fluids going around. You know, people are spitting, people are sweating. Yep. There are so many things going on. So if you have one person that has this virus, and yes, I know for young people, it supposedly isn't supposed to be as bad, but yep. I think the point in this, and, and I've done a lot of research on it, and I've seen that going into your households where a lot of this has happened, especially in China. So yeah, you might be 20, you might be able to yep. easily fight this virus off. But let's say you go to a concert and you contract this thing. And then you go home, you give it to your mom and dad, they in yeah. turn give it to your grandparents. Boom. All of a sudden, one of your, your, your grandparents are in, you know, a nursing home. Now all of a sudden they've given it to the whole nursing home. And that yeah. is how that's horrible. Things just keep trickling down. Exactly. And I think thank at the you end for of thinking day, of it like that. that that's oh, that's very man. good. 
I mean, I, we had to put a lot of thought into this. I mean, I'll, I'll be straight up. I, I was heartbroken as we left. I, I was heartbroken too, just because you see so many messages of people saying, I've already booked a hotel or I, I booked plane tickets months ago. And I, it breaks me down a little bit because I'm like, fuck, I don't, I don't want people to have to spend all this money on, on us. And then all of a sudden in turn, us have to cancel on them. And, and they're pretty much just shit out of luck. But unfortunately, with this situation, I think it, it did just make sense for us. And, and you know, we, again, we, we were watching a lot of different things. And I, I stated this previously, but I'm a huge sports nut. And once I saw that NCAA March Madness was just canceled, not even postponed. Yeah, dude. You know, stuff like that started me started making me go, this is a lot more serious than we all thought it was. You know, two weeks ago, we were all joking about it on Twitter. And even even out on the road, you know, people are making jokes. And when we're cracking up at meet and yeah, greets, and yeah. we're, we're doing elbow bumps and stuff, just kind of trying to make light of it. When in turn, you know, thousands of people are dying from this. And I know so many people are going to come back and say, oh, well, the flu is way, you know, kills yeah. way more people and this and that. But at this point, we don't have a knowledge base of it. And, yeah. you know, yeah. no I data. do have some I do have some buddies in Italy who told I me mean, they are just straight up locked down right now. They they can't even leave their premises, which, you know, in turn, that just shows me if, if a country as big as Italy is, is doing something like that, it's obviously very devastating there. And, and a lot of people Entire are. country. Exactly. And I. I think that's why even myself, you know, getting, you know, we were, we were very lucky to get out and, and luckily um, we were able to cut some of the cost and, and switch our flights last second by, by some grace of God. But yeah. even getting on the plane and coming into America, I'll, I'll be pretty frank with you and pretty transparent with, with, with the whole audience. I mean, it, it was a little scary. We got on a plane and, you know, we're flying out from Amsterdam where you, you have people traveling there from every country in the world nonstop. And we had a flight back and I hopped on that plane and I was looking around and everybody, everybody just looked a little fearful. A lot of people yeah. were in masks. There were a lot of elderly people on the plane and you just don't know. All it takes is one person on that plane to, to have something. And I'll be, I'll be honest too. It was a little scary because we landed and I figured, oh, we're going to get screened. We're going to get tested really hard. They're not going to let us back into the country until we know that nobody has it. And that's not what happened. We, we arrived, we went through customs. They asked us like, what were you doing there? But not one question came up. Have you been sick in the past seven days? Have you had the flu? How many countries have you been to? They didn't ask anything like that. So that, that was a little, you know, that was kind of a wake up call for me. Um, during, you know, I was, I, I think I even texted, texted you during that whole thing just yeah, saying like, yeah. this is, this is something that I think America doesn't even realize the severity of it yet. And, and like I said, it might not turn out to be anything too crazy, and I, I pray to God it doesn't. Yeah. But I'd much rather be the guys who took the precautions and said, hey, we'd much rather play shows three months from now and, and just make sure everybody's safe than try to bust this out. And all of a sudden, we're stuck in Europe, and then I got my family saying, well, when are you coming home? And I got my fiance saying, are we even going to have our wedding? And there's just so many things that, that go through your head in a time like that. And you know, I think at the end of the day, we had to we had to do what was what was safe for our fans and what was safe for for ourselves and our crew as well. So, that is that is just you know it, it's just shocking. It's a scary time for everybody, and I just hope everybody out there watching knows that the, this is a proactive move, and we're doing this. The world is doing this to prevent this from getting to the point where we are for the next few years living in an unstable world as this passes through and the potential of millions of deaths and things like that, worst case scenario. We're doing that to try to make, you know, let's all stay inside a few weeks, let's take it easy, whatever will be fine. So I don't wanna to go too much longer on this because, you know, what else really can be said? You've, you've really sure. said it all. What I wanna talk about switching gears here is 
how the hell, okay, have you guys, you've made every right move here for the last few years, man. You know, we were talking a lot when you were working on trauma, you know, you sent me some demos and I remember like, I remember I got to, I sent you a video. I was like, I'm doing pushups. I'm like, man, I'm about to be in the gym to this shit. It was amazing. <laughs> amazing. Dude, I you guys have done every right move. You're number one at rock radio right now. You guys are booking tours with bands like a day to remember five finger death punch. You guys are doing it all. What has it been like? And yet you guys have stayed so humble becoming one of the biggest bands in all of rock, not the scene. We're talking about rock music in general. What has that been like for you? I mean, first of all, thanks for saying that. I mean, I really, I really do appreciate that. I remember sending you the uh, demos back in the day because that, that was after I came off my vocal surgery and everything. And at that point, I didn't know, you know, I was just trying to trying to write music that we liked and just trying to set a different standard for what I prevail was because, you know, coming into this whole career for myself. And I think the rest of my guys can say the same thing. I mean, we were just a bunch of kids. I was working at Domino's. Eric was working, you know, at IHOP, you know, we, we had no idea what the music industry was. We were very raw when we, when we came into this thing. And I think after experiencing two or three years in this music industry, we really got woken up to how, how scary it is and how cutthroat it is and, and how many people try to get their hands in the cookie jar and, and kind of yep. control what you're doing and, and, try to take a piece of your art and, and for us going into this record after I had my, my big vocal surgery, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point, I, I really told myself and the rest of the guys told ourselves, if we're going to go in and write this record, we need to do something totally different. We need to kind of take a look at everything we've done in the past and say, what did we like from what we did? What didn't we like? You know, what do we really want to be? What do we, what message do we want to give to our fans? What, what lyrics do we want to talk about? What, what style of music do we, do we really want to get into? And I think, you know, the, the, I guess the blessing about me having that big vocal surgery was I had a lot of time to sit and reflect and just kind of ask myself, you know, if you're going to continue down this career path, what do you want to make out of it? What's going to make you the most happy and what's going to what's going to what's going to make you feel the most honest and, and true with your art? And, and to me, it was just being as real and raw as possible. And that's kind of where the name trauma was um, taken from. I'll never forget being in the studio. We were recording with uh, Tyler Smith, who produced our record and we were, you know, going over all different names and nothing had really quite hit yet. And I remember sitting in my bedroom one night, just going through different words in the dictionary of, of things that I liked and kind of, kind of resonated with me. And I saw the word trauma and it just instantly, I just knew, I, I knew that was the word that was going to kind of sum up not only everything we had experienced before, but, but everything that needed to be, you know, in order to write a record as real as we did, we needed to release all that trauma and needed to share kind of our, our story with the world. Yeah. And you know, you and I have shared a lot personally as friends with each other. We've both been through some, you know, personal difficulties and come out stronger on the other end. And a lot of people don't realize, and I know I personally, every album has to have some definition, right? Every record has to be about something. We got to have a story. We got to package it and we, we need to sell it for you knowing before months before the album was even recorded you and I were talking about like just the stress of all these people relying on you and the stress of so much of the fame and attention that you're not asking for, you're not seeking, you just want to get your music out there and all of that and, and the pressures that come with all of that and you know, the anxieties that come with all of that. And it I remember when I heard, you know, songs like Breaking Down, you know, like it, it just 
it's amazing how you were able to sort of bottle that into a message and really tell your story in that way. And, you know, like Hurricane, number one at rock radio right now. And you don't get that by being a band that isn't authentic. And you're obviously connecting with so many people. And I, I just am amazed by that. So when you're writing these songs, how, how does that process look for you guys? How do you approach writing these tracks? I mean, I, I think the, the coolest thing, so you just brought up, you know, Hurricane, how, how it hit number one. And I think a lot of people don't realize this, but, you know, me and Tyler always kind of talk about it. And, it, and it, it's something that, that still gives me chills to this day. That was the, so we went into the studio. I would known Tyler for a long time. I was a huge fan of Danger Kids before I started Shout my Danger band. Danger Kids. Danger Kids, the boys. Yeah. I mean, and we actually, we had toured with them, I think, uh, two years after we started. They they were on one of our tours at one point, and I became really close with them, and we always talked about writing together, but during the Lifeline cycle, unfortunately, things just didn't work out. So after coming off the Lifeline cycle, I, I wanted to start fresh and work with people who really, really kind of had the same same being as me, where they just wanted, they wanted to do shit that changed the game, not only, not only instrumentally and not only with the sounds, but lyrically, just do things that that were authentic. Yeah. And and I'll never forget walking into the studio with him and seeing him and just being like, dude, I'm so excited to write. Me, me Steve, and, and Eric walked in. And the first day, the first thing we ever wrote together was Hurricane. And and I think that just goes <laughs> that just goes to show you right there that if, if you have the right group of people in a room, you, you can make anything happen. I mean, literally in that first day, we had the entire chorus written. We had the entire first verse written. He came up with the crazy intro that you hear in that song where yep. I'll never forget too. He presented the intro to us and it's like, I know, you know, it's a little outside the box and it's a little different. And he was almost timid to like show it because I feel like so many bands have probably walked in and been like, oh no, we just want to, we want to do safe, things yeah. our way or we, we want to play it safe. And I said, Tyler, this is incredible. Like this is exactly all the text we had leading up to working together. This is exactly what I was hoping for. And just seeing that magic kind of come about in the first day was such a, a relieving feeling because, you know, I'll, I'll be frank too. After I came off my vocal surgery, we, we dealt with about six months of blockade. You know, we worked with previous guys we had worked with before who just didn't seem to have the same passion and didn't, didn't necessarily want to want to take the risk that we did and didn't want to write mm. songs lyrically that, that we were going for, because that, that was one thing Eric and I and Steve, especially as the lyricist of the band told ourselves, we're going to open up and be raw. And that's why a song like breaking down really talks about, you know, how I feel normally on, on a daily basis. And, and really, you know, it, that was kind of the first time too, I really had opened up to my parents and I'd opened up to my friends and I'd really allowed everybody to see this is the true me. And, and since putting out that song, it's been, such a relief for me to know, okay, you know, instead of me having to, um, kind of sugarcoat this to people, I can just be, people watch that music video and you'll kind of get a piece of me. And even, you know, uh, Eric, uh, I, I love him to death. Eric is, is the best, you know, being, being front men together. We, we really rely guy, on him. He, he is the biggest sweetheart and, and the best dude I know. And, and, I'll never forget, you know, we we dealt with a really hard time together when uh, one of his best friends passed away from suicide on the road, and I, I'll never forget. A lot of people wanted us to steer away and not not talk about it, and it and it really bummed him out, and it bummed me out too because I knew how much he wanted to talk about his friend and he wanted to get a song out there, and you know, at the end of the day, we told ourselves, "Fuck everybody else, we're gonna do this record for ourselves," and that actually is where the song "Goodbye" stems from, and you know, I'll never forget being in that room with with him and Tyler and just 
seeing seeing one how emotional he got that he got to write a song about his friend but two just seeing how much love and care and passion and effort he put into it and i think you know th- there's a lot of different people who look at our band and they say oh you know your songs are way too wide ranging or oh maybe you lyrically dive into too many different things but you know with trauma i we wanted to do a song that kind of and, and this has always been the way with i prevail and always kind of been my motto where I never want to be the band that's just in one pocket where you only hear yeah. them at their heaviest or you only hear them lyrically talk about one subject where with this record, we want to talk about suicide. We want to talk about depression. We wanted to talk about, you know, every time you leave is a song about, you know, our fiancés and girlfriends and, and, and leaving and being on the road. Rise Above, it's a song about just trying to grind and push and, and, and tell everybody, you know, to kind of fuck off. And, and even with Bow Down, which is, you know, the first track on the record, that song was straight up um about a producer that we worked with in the past and and some of the label people we had worked with in the past who frankly didn't give a shit about us and and tried to tried to force their way on us and it was kind of our our way of saying we're taking this band back i mean get on get on your knees and bow down was kind of the the anthem of this record where it was like hey you know it might be it might come off a little cocky to people but you know that song was kind of our our middle finger to the people you know, whether it was the old producers, you know, we had worked with who tried to start a shitstorm with our band, whether it was, you know, I, I, there's just so many, so many things we've dealt with over this time. I mean, you know, as as much as many, because I talked oh, yeah. to you about it, it a lot. You know, we've taken a lot of crap, too, just from the rock community and the metal community, even, you know, starting with that blank space cover in the day. And it, it, it took a, it took for me two or three years to finally die down and say, I am not going to worry about all these people who, you know, want to discredit my band and, and talk crap about our fans and say that we're unauthentic and, and we're just money makers and we're just doing it with daddy's money and stuff. Yeah. You know, we told ourselves, I'm going to focus on the people who love this music, who get lyrics tattooed, who send messages, who come to meet and greets and, and are, you know, have tears in their eyes because they lost a family member or something, or they went through a really hard time and a certain song really relates to them. And at the end of the day, I, I, I advise most musicians to try to do that because I think it's a very very easy way to to get in your own head and, and read a tweet or, or you know read a reddit thread you know I, i've got on reddit a couple times and ooh, that, that is not a place for for the faint of heart just because you know a lot of people don't want to see you succeed and as hard as it is you, you almost got to have that um sports mentality the, the lebron mentality where you know how many people talk crap about that guy where it's just like yeah. hey I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to do what's best for my family, what's best for the people who support me. And if, if you don't agree with it, that's fine, but I'm just going to block you out of my mind. Well, so you talk about your family and I, dude, I I'm old enough to remember the early days of I prevail where there was this rumor going around that you guys were like industry plants and your dad was a $50 million <laughs> so much banking money, so investor. Much money. And he was in Los Angeles bankrolling your entire career. Let's talk about your dad. I know how family-oriented you are, and I love that about you. You paid off your dad's mortgage. That was one of the first things that you did. You did that back in December, and you surprised him so he can you know, retire and spend more time with the family. Man, what did that mean to you? What was that like? I mean, if I had to give you the top five moments of my life, that that is right up there around number one. I mean, it was yeah. something for me where – you know, both my mom and my dad and, and honestly, my entire family have been so supportive of me since day one. I mean, I was in a band previous to I Prevail that didn't do anything. And honestly, I instead of going to college, I was working on that and I was working at Domino's. And, you know, I think a lot of people would have looked at their son and went, you like, get your head together, man. Yeah. Like this isn't this obviously isn't working. <laughs> Go get 
a regular job, go to college, kind of just go live a safe life. But yeah. my, my parents were so, so supportive at the time. And I, I'm so thankful for them. And I, I, you know, if any parents are watching this and you have a kid who, who's a musician or even if he plays sports or if he, you know, he just, hell, even if it's gaming now with Twitch and stuff yeah. taking off so much, if someone has a true passion for what they're doing, they will find a way to succeed at it. And, and that's something that my dad always told me. And, and he really believed in me even from day one. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget too. Cause a lot of people think like, Oh, we were already signed to a label when I prevail started and, and all this, like, you know, we spent an entire year and a half kind of forming this thing up and really just diving in on me. I'll never forget. I met Steve on a, uh, Steve was the first guy in the band I met and I met him on a site called band mix, which was kind of like a, uh, a social networking place for band guys. And I'll be honest with you. There were a lot of like 40 and 50 year olds on there. And I'm just, I'm looking for people to work with. Cause I didn't know a lot of local musicians around me. So I'm like, this is never going to work. I'm about to give up. And then luckily I found Steve and I see in his like related artist who he likes, I see a day to remember and bring me the horizon. I'm like, Oh, I, I look up to some of these bands. Maybe I can work with this dude. And we got together and, and shortly a little after that, we met Eric probably two or three weeks later. I met him through a mutual friend on Facebook and, and, and all Steve, of a sudden, was he in the, your local area? Yep. So Steve was probably 30 minutes out, but it's so funny because we lived exact opposites, opposite lives. I'm over here at the time. I was a 20 year old working at Domino's. Didn't really have my life together. You know, I, obviously my, you know, my previous band wasn't big or anything like that. So he's probably looking at me like, all right, this kid obviously doesn't have a whole lot going for him. And, and meanwhile, Steve was working a banking job. He had already graduated college. He played football in college That's and stuff. Awesome. And he, he already had his like main job, but he wasn't happy in his, his life either. I mean, even though he was making good money and, you know, you know, things went according to plan for how he planned it out. He realized that it isn't what he wanted to do. And guitar was always his, his first love and wow. first passion. And we kind of, we kind of linked up and it, you know, it was, it was almost love at first sight with, with Steve and Eric and all, I think all of us looked at each other and we said, I don't know how this just happened, but the three of us just kind of like all somehow morphed together and we all had the same ideas. We all had the same drive. We all wanted to make this our career. I mean, we all, we all had no idea what we were doing, but we wanted to work so hard and just every day grind and try to just learn and figure out, all right, maybe I, I'm not the best at this today, but every day I'm going to practice singing or every day I'm going to write a song or every day I'm going to write some lyrics down. I'm going to study different bands on Facebook. I'm going to study different music videos. I'm going to look at music video guys. I like every little thing. And basically over that year and a half, we worked with um, a producer that I worked with in our old band called BJ, who, who is still a good friend of mine. And you know, that, that was kind of something where all of a sudden we spent an entire year writing an EP and kind of trickling back to my dad in this story. You know, a lot of people at that point, a lot of parents would have said, all right, you've been working on this thing for a year. Your other band already failed. What is going on? But I remember him just saying, keep going keep pushing, wow. keep grinding. I believe in you. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, I had a whole EP to show him and he thought it was the coolest thing. And he thought my voice sounded so good. And he thought Eric and I's vocals meshed together so well. And he thought it was so cool that all of our songs were so different, but yet they kind of fit in that same pocket. And before you know it, we were kind of ready to go. So I'll never forget this. This is kind of a cool story. Um, we had blank space um, already kind of written at that point too, which was kind of an afterthought after the EP, but we're like, all right, let's write a cover and kind of, sure. kind of see what, what comes out of it. So we had everything ready to go and, you know, be in my business brain. I'm like, all right, instead of just launching with one song or something, let's launch with the cover. And then right after that, we're going to release our EP and we're going to have two music videos ready to go. So 
we, um, but here's the thing. We had spent so much money on our storage unit where we practice and so much money on producing. And you know me, I'm working at Domino's and I had to rent my own apartment. So I did not have a whole lot of money at that point. So I'd put every piece of money I had, every ounce, and Steve and Eric were doing the same, and we were running very thin. And I remember going to my dad, pretty emotional, saying, I'm so close. I'm so close. I've gotten so, so far. But I truly believe we need some music videos to really pop this thing out. We were already able to pay five grand for one of these. Is there any way I can just get you to contribute like three grand to me right now, and I will get I will work my ass off day in and day out to get you this money back as quick as I possibly can. And he believed in me and he said, so yeah, I mean, I guess some people could say, oh, you're playing with your daddy's money and stuff. But, but he, I mean, my dad's not a rich guy either. And and the fact that he was willing to say, all right, I believe in you take this three grand, get the other video done. And the coolest thing is after that, shout out to your dad, man, that is cool, dude. Brett Burkheiser, the the, the best man I know, the best man I know. But I mean, the coolest thing after though was so literally um, blank space came out, started going a little viral. We put out the two music videos and then all of a sudden a month after we released, we had enough money in our tune core account that I was able to pay him back within a month. And that I think not only for me, but for him showed like, all right, this is something special. All this belief I've had in my son and in the group of guys he's working with, like these guys aren't messing around. They want to make this a career. So, I mean, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I, I, I say this to, to my band all the time. Family, family always comes first. I mean, family 100%. is it's your blood. I mean, they're, they're the ones who are going to support you. Yeah. They might not always agree with you. And, and, you know, I know not every family is going to be as supportive as mine, but I hope people can watch this and kind of take away that even if you're struggling or even, you know, if someone isn't popped off yet, or even let's say they're, let's say they don't even reach an echelon that I prevail reach, but they can get up to a point. I mean, even just, just being able to create art and have people embrace it, you are making such a difference in the world that it's worth it, man. I mean, it's worth just pursuing your dreams and passions if you have them. So first of all, again, shout out to your pops. He sounds like an amazing guy. I hope to meet him one day soon. And, um, so you meet Eric, you, you meet this absolute wild man. You (laughs) You meet this whiskey swigging, white claw drinking lunatic. What was that like? How did you meet him? So Eric, funny enough, so I met him through a mutual friend, Steve and I, had a couple messages with him back and forth. And of course, the first place we had to meet was Taco Bell because, you know, <laughs> why Why would we meet at a normal place of, uh, you know, not, not, hey, come over to my house or like, yeah. hey, come over to uh, come over to our practice space or yeah. something. Let's straight up. We're going to Taco <laughs> Bell. So, I don't know. We had a couple beefy crunch burritos and we just we hit it off, man. And it, we had very similar interests, too. I mean. Eric and I, and Steve, honestly, too, we all kind of come from a sports background where yeah. Eric played college baseball, um, Steve played college football, I played high school athletics, you know, I wasn't quite as good as them, but I, I was yeah. still, you know, a huge sports nut and stuff. So we really related over that. And then all of a sudden we got talking about like our families and we all realized we were pretty close with our families and we all realized, you know, we had, we were really weren't that far removed in age and stuff. So we had all kind of grown up listening to the same styles of music and stuff. Even it's so funny. You'll never get, you'll never ever guess this, but what record do you think Eric and I both, it was our first album purchase. What record do you think that would be? Ah, oh, man, I'm just trying to think cause we're all sort of the same age. I'm not, not, of... not in the rock space, not in the rock space at all. This Let's say like an Eminem, an, M- an Eminem album. The Black Eyed Peas, baby. <laughs> what? So, like, we, we, which we, which which record? The one that's like, I, I got a feeling. Yeah, uh, it's the one. I I I 
I can't honestly Wasn't remember that the record out in like 2008? It had, it had the four of them in the corners. It was like a blue record with like an elephant, elephant or something maybe it was called. Oh, it was the one that was like, people killing, people dying. People dying. Yeah, yeah exactly. that was a good, good exactly, song. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we related over that. We talked about like Simple Plan was one of the first records we bought. And then we talked about all three of us had been to the same A Day to Remember tour when they toured with um of Mice and Men and Chunk, no, Captain Chunk and stuff. And we were just oh, like, wow. Oh, hey dudes, are you yeah. ready to? <laughs> I mean, there, there was just so many weird things that kind of clicked and connected where it just seemed like this was going to be something that that really and, and, and honestly, too, just even after after that, like days where we would just hang out and watch a movie or we would hang out and listen to songs and stuff. There was just kind of a feeling like even though we had only known each other for weeks at that time, it had felt like there was a bond where we had known each other for years. And I think the fact that it was built so organically and it wasn't a label putting us together or we, you know, another thing too, I told myself going into this band was I didn't want to work with people I knew. I wanted to try to like open up fresh and to see like, let this thing happen as organically as it could. Cause you, you get involved with friends or people, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, there, it just, a lot of times it doesn't work out where when, we kind of had that fresh new relationship. We just kind of got to learn each other and, and, and figure out what each other were about. And I think that's why, you know, things ended up kind of popping off as quick as they did. But I mean, Eric is is one of my best friends and a dude who literally, I, I don't think I could, could go on stage without the dude. I mean, I, I literally don't think without, without Eric, there is no I prevail. Yeah. You know, He's so talented I, too, man. He's just, those screams are just, ah, they're insane. Well, the crazy thing is the the first time, so I had heard like some really rough demos that he put out really rough and he sent them to me and I could barely even like, they were so low quality that I'm like, <laughs> I'm very curious what this guy's going to sound like. The first time he went into the studio and dropped a scream, I literally just lost my shit. Yeah. I looked at him. I said, you are so talented and you don't even know you are scratching the surface, dude. You have no idea how good you are. And I think that's something I always thought about Eric is like, he's so selfless where like, the dude doesn't realize how good he is at yeah. times and how, I mean, even just on stage, man, I mean, he can go out there and just belt. I mean, he could probably play a show for three hours. Meanwhile, over here, I'm trying to do all these vocal warm ups, and I'm like, oh, my voice is going out and I, I got to drink tea and stuff. And Eric just says, fuck that, man. I, I'm, I'm going to kill this shit There's, every night. And <laughs> I, I respect the shit about, you know, and, I respect you know, the shit out of it. It's like the sports world, though. You know, there are some very talented athletes who have that natural bit to it and there's some people who really have to work for what they have and you know you work your ass off at what you have and you're so talented too it's just different strokes for different you know folks so to speak now when when do you realize so like i, I don't want to talk about the blank space thing because at this point it is short blank space was a bit of the foundation for you guys to be able to launch sure. from, but it, it does not define you clearly at this point. You're on record number two. You're number one at rock radio, two albums later. Actually, if you want to count the EP, you know, three cycles later, you've got a song number one on the radio. You're not pumping out covers all the time. Although I would love to hear another cover selfishly from I prevail. Never happened. Never happened. <laughs> um, but so, you're, you're at what point do you guys say internally, like, holy shit, we're not just going to be like a big scene band where we're a massive rock band. At what point does that hit for you? So I think, you know, it, it's funny. We, I actually talked to Steve about kind of this conversation 
maybe only a couple of weeks ago where we always went into this band, never saying we're going to be a rock radio band or we're yeah. going to be a streaming band or we're going to have music videos. We always just said, we're going to, going to do our thing. And if things come about, that's awesome. And honestly, we, ne- I mean, writing the EP initially, it's not, not radio at all. I mean, even I, yeah, yeah, I love it's... the I love the EP, but I'm the first one to acknowledge that was our infancy as a band, and you know that that was I love those songs to death, and I'll yeah. always respect them. But obviously, you know, as an artist, you always love what you, you previously put out, opposed to exactly. And I think I think the thing for us was like we never expected Blank Space. I mean, a lot of people, and, and this is something you know I I don't want to hone in on Blank Space for too long, but I do feel I need to set the record straight a little bit because we did take so much so much crap for it when initially we put it out when you know, nobody really knew of us yet. And all of a sudden everyone's like, this is so awesome. You guys are killing it. But then all of a sudden it was pretty funny for me. And I kind of got a taste of the music industry as the song got bigger and bigger and more people started viewing it. It just started getting hated on so much where people were like, Oh, they're a label plant. They obviously did this on purpose. They're trying to push the crap out of this and they don't, you know, they don't have original music and this and that. And I think for us going into it, it, it was it was a tough pill to swallow that that first year. As, as fun as we had touring, and you know, a lot of people did relate to the songs on the EP. There were so many people just trying to label us a cover band, and even I mean, I remember one of the dudes from Our Last Night tried to beef with us. One of the dudes from I, I think Hood, <laughs> Hoodie, Hoodie Allen started talking some crap. Like all all of a sudden, like you know, we're this these dudes who kind of looked up to all these people, and now all of a sudden we're getting shit on for something that. I've watched, you know, peers like, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with Vic and Pierce Avail. Like I, they've put out covers, you know, Jeremy and a day to remember yeah. they've put out multiple covers. So I always looked at it as like, Oh, people are just going to like, it's like fine. it and we're not going to get pegged at it. So we never expected blank space was just supposed to be a tiny little thing that got some traction and made people go to the EP. Now mm-hmm. it was almost a blessing and a curse because don't get me wrong. I'll be the first one to acknowledge blank space blowing up was a, which a huge part of our career and definitely yeah. helped kind of fast forward the process of, being able to get, you know, bigger and bigger, quicker and quicker. But at the same time, there was also a big curse with it because a lot of people started viewing us as that's all they're known for. And, and even we had to fight battles with our label and even, you know, the radio stations. It was really cool that the radio started playing Blank Space. But at the same time, when that's your introduction, I guess, kind of as a band to the scene, all of a sudden people are looking at you going, this is a Taylor Swift song. Like these guys are you know, for a better lack of term, bitches, like, like what, what is this thing? And, you know, it was kind of a, a hard couple of years initially. Cause yeah. you know, there was, there was a lot of crap taken and that made me so know. mad. You know, I remember writing this really, remember that super long op-ed piece that I wrote about you guys, because th- there were so many haters out there that were just like, you know, they're just a cover band. And I, w- I went into the numbers and all that stuff, but you and I differ on that. You're like, no, we're not doing any more covers, whatever, whatever. But you know, like, Five Finger Death Punch, you know, that they they are not afraid. People hate on them. You're just a cover band. They know they're not, you know, and they drop some really cool, fun covers. Like, I think that maybe one day in the future, I hope you guys will change your mind and we can like and and it's not like it doesn't have to be a new pop hit or something like we could sure. get a cover. Well, that, that That's something yeah. we've talked about, too, where like if we ever were to do another cover, I definitely think we would stay away from the the, you know pop goes punk style yep. of things. It would probably be something where From I would the love 90s the, or... yeah, exa- exactly like a Nirvana song or an yeah. old Lincoln park song or, or, or something that we really could just make our own. And, and, you know, I'd, I'd want to get the blessing obviously before we, Absolutely. you know, I'd want to go to one of those bands and make sure that, that we could do something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely something we're, we're not opposed to. Um, I, I think 
we just battled it for so long and I put so much of my headspace. I mean, I'll never forget that first couple of years. It, it, it was really taxing and it, you know, you would see so many tweets and I'd see Facebook messages of friends who like our Facebook posts of people on my friends list who were so supportive initially. And then all of a sudden I see them talking crap and I would get on the thread and always be trying to defend and defend and defend. And essentially, eventually I decided to tell myself like, stop, dude, you're, yeah. you're never going to win everybody over. And I think that's something as an artist, you eventually have to realize is you will never, you will always have people who dislike you. You always have people who don't like yes. you. And it's something that Kind of comes with the territory, whether you, you, yeah, you're a musician, you're an athlete, you're a gamer. I mean, even you know the guys like Ninja or um, Tim the Tatman and stuff. Everyone's yeah. going to have people who who look at them and say, oh, Mr. You know, Beast. People get mad at Mr. Beast. Exactly. He's like the yeah. nicest guy in the world. <laughs> I know. The guy gives all of his money away and people still find a way to be like, oh, well, you're giving some of the money to your friends. So you're a horrible <laughs> person. When meanwhile, he's loading up homeless shelters and yeah. food banks. And, and trying to do really nice things for people. So it's one of those things as it just as a human being, I eventually just kind of had to tell myself like, Hey, you know, you're not going to win everybody over. And, and that was something going into the lifelines record where, you know, we just kind of had to keep growing up. And even that lifelines record, it's, it's, a, it's an album cycle I look back on. And, and that was also a very difficult time because at that point, there were so many people trying to get their hands in the cookie jar, whether it was our label, whether it's the producer we worked with trying to essentially sabotage our stuff and, and, and not give us the time of day, even though he had taken a huge paycheck from, from our label. And, you know, it's, there, there's a lot of hard things that go into the music industry. And I, I think, you know, if I looked at back at my 18 year old self, um, I would kind of look back and realize like, wow, this is a cutthroat industry and you need to, to be really prepared. And that's why as, as I've grown up and I, I continue to get more experienced and continue to learn this business. And you know me, I'm, I'm not a guy who just writes songs. I like to be in every single element of the business. Yes. And that's kind of same with Steve and Eric, where not only the merch, not only the videos, not only the the creative side, the album artwork, the, the you know, the VIP stuff, the, the tour ad mats, the bands you tour with. I mean, there are so many different segments of stuff. And you have a lot of people who try to get in and tell you, oh, well, this is how it needs to be done. And I think just as a band, I hope I hope people can look at I Prevail and whether you like us or not, you don't got to like us. You can hate us. You know, you, you don't got to like our music at all. That's not what I'm asking. I'm just asking for a respect level of saying, hey, this band, you know, these guys kind of built themselves. And all of a sudden, a lot of people tried to weasel themselves in and they yeah. were able to kind of stick their chest out and, and put their foot down and, and not allow themselves to get derailed because, I mean, hell, even just over the, the five years we've been a band, I've seen so many bands I've looked up to fall from, you know, being up here to down here. And it's kind of sad. And I, I, I feel like a lot of it's due to the fact that a lot of these labels or a lot of um, managers or, or whoever it is is trying to influence people and, and take them away from what their direction is. Because at the end of the day, nobody is going to love and put as much passion into your art as you will. So yeah. if you allow too many people to get into what you're doing, it can really derail the process and it can kind of take everything you've worked for and just throw it down the drain. And it's a very, very scary thought. So I, I wanted to mention something that is kind of taken hold after, you know, we, we've had this interview set up talking about this whole coronavirus thing. And I wanted to go into, uh, if you don't mind, uh, Ronnie Radke from falling in reverse, um, has been, uh, Angry on Twitter, he evidently you guys released a uh, basically an acoustic version of Hurricane and you use the term reimagined, which personally, in my opinion, 
reimagined, if you get on Spotify and go back, has been used hundreds of times. And, you know, going back to the Beatles. I mean, it's it's been a very long time. So he says, um, you know, he's on Twitter saying, he shares that, he goes, what is this? And somebody... Um, somebody says, what's it mean to reimagine a song? And he, he pulls up some Google results that show falling in reverse reimagined. And he says, motherfuckers forget I'm an artist, need that space to create insane shit. Don't get mad when I feel like you're being ripped off. A lot of people name their songs reimagined, but let's be honest. I just came out with my song and the band works with my producer, which is kind of weird. Like he owns the producer or something. He says, all right, I'm over it. The drug in me is I prevail reimagined. Um, Someone says, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. He says, I DM the singer and he denies it. I guess he's talked to you. It is what it is. I don't own the rights to reimagine. Uh, people have done it before. Just don't uh, like people blatantly ripping me off. Uh, nobody likes that. What can I say? He's still, oh my God, damn, Ronnie. Knock it off. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Yeah, I I don't want to make too big of a thing out of it because I, I definitely want, I just don't, I, I don't think it's worth trying to create. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just all trying to create music. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's one thing I'll start it off with, but yeah, I mean, I woke up this morning, I've been dealing with a, a couple of crazy weeks of, of tour and obviously going through this whole coronavirus thing. And, you know, I've always to an extent been a, been a big Ronnie Racky fan. I like to escape. I mean, I, fuck, I can go all the way back and tell you when I, the first time someone heard me sing, I was jamming to an escape the fate song. I was singing situations and my yeah. buddy went, damn, you can kind of sing dude. And that's kind of yeah. how I got the confidence to go. All right, well maybe, maybe I can be a singer and stuff. And you know, I've always had a good relationship with Ronnie. I've, I've, I've been a fan of songs. They've, you know, falling in reverse has put out. Yeah, obviously, some I was, great music. Obviously I, I was a fan. We, we followed each other on Twitter and, and Instagram. I've never sensed any sort of, of, beef there or you know we've worked with the same producer which i'm sure is, is probably a little strange because you know we're saying oh i i want time or you know i'm sure he's looking at us going oh well you're working with i prevail why aren't you working with me right now and i i think the thing that was most alarming to me this morning is i woke up to an instagram message from him and i'm like oh i wonder what this is about and i see a screenshot of our reimagined hurricane acoustic track and he said what is this so i'm you know i'm a little baffled at first and i i did i kind of initially go okay he, he's gonna try to start something here this isn't gonna be a a, a nice greeting but i said <laughs> i mean this is a reimagined version of hurricane that we have been sitting on for essentially you know you know i'll i'll send you receipts of stuff i have because you know the, the one thing i told myself when i saw all this twitter stuff going on i'm not gonna I'm not going to feed into the beast and I'm not going to create drama just because one, I don't think it's healthy for, for any artist to be doing that, but I don't think it's healthy to bring fans into that and try to try to stir up the pot and, and get people attacking each other and stuff. But yeah, yeah I woke up and, and essentially replied back and said, Hey man, you know, we've been sitting on this for six months. Hurricane's been doing really well at radio. The radio team was clamoring for anything. I mean, they kept trying to get us to come into uh, studios and perform hurricane and do this and do that. And we said, well, Steve and I have worked on this, you know, acoustic stripped, reimagined, whatever the hell you want to call it, version six months ago, and we had been sitting on it. So while we were out on Europe, you know, the radio team hit us up and said, we would love to put this out. And I'll, I'll even send you another receipt, too, where okay. one of our label guys specifically says, I think we should call this reimagined. 
because it isn't just an acoustic version. This is a this is more than an acoustic version. You know, we I do somewhat want to set the record straight here where what Ronnie essentially applied. And I'll also be frank and I'll just lay it out because, you know, we messaged on Twitter maybe two or three times back and I straight up told him, I'm like, bro, you know, I, I understand you think we're copying you or you think that, you know, we're basically looking and trying to follow your model. But we had had this thing ready to go forever. And to be honest, it wasn't even a big thing for us where you know, his, his video is is obviously a music video and it's meant to be a big thing where for us, this was a very tiny afterthought. This wasn't even supposed to go to streaming platforms or to YouTube or anything like that. It was supposed to be strictly for radio, yeah. but the, the fearless team loved it so much. The radio team loved it so much. And honestly, you know, we started listening to it saying, Hey, I, I think our fans would, would really enjoy this where boom, we decided, all right, let's put this out. And you know, Ronnie, if you're watching the shit, I mean, obviously you, you blocked me on Instagram, so I can't really, I can't really reply <laughs> anything on, back. Come on, Ronnie. Goddamn, man. I, I, I can't really reply anything back to you at this point, but it's like, at the end of the day, man, we have so many things set up. This was the tiniest afterthought. And I, you know, I apologize if, if reimagine seems to come off as copying or, oh, we work with Tyler Smith, who's the same producer. So obviously it was correlated where you guys copied this, where no, we had done this so far back yeah. in the past that I'm not sure where that narrative is coming from. And I think the thing that is most frustrating in all of this is now it's getting aired out to the public as some like competition when I don't understand why people yeah. just, you know, and even if even if we labeled it acoustic or stripped, like it, it, it kind of blows my mind. Like, so are you saying if we labeled it acoustic, you wouldn't have got mad over it? Like, cause yeah. if we're literally talking about the word reimagined, you don't own that word. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest it's, after, after this whole thing went down, like I started really thinking about it. Our buddies in Dayseeker have had songs labeled reimagined. I mean, shit as it is who, uh, Ronnie Ish is, is one of our boys. They put out a whole record titled reimagined in 2019. Band. Even yep. Skillet, Skillet, a couple months Shout ago, out just out a song called Reima a Reimagine Track. So I don't think there's any, you know, I, I hate the fact that this is turning into such a thing because, yeah. you know, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, let's beef and stuff where I always thought, hey, I prevail, falling in reverse are cool. I think Ronnie is a chill dude. Like, I, I, you, know, I, I, you know, so I've talked to Ronnie a, a bit on Twitter and, you know, he's a funny guy. He He'll say shit sometimes that I will laugh my ass off at because I can imagine him stirring the pot and then he'll say shit like this that I really disagree with. I think he's totally wrong here. I've talked to you so much and we have never once ever in hours and hours of conversation, every time we get on the phone, it can be months apart, but every time we get on the phone, we're on the phone for like several hours just shooting the shit. We've never talked about falling in reverse. You're not modeling your career after falling in reverse. And we don't talk about any bands. That, yeah, that's we don't we don't talk thing. about any bands. We're just like, half the we time we talk about video games and, and, shit. And, and I and well, I think that's the issue in this too, is where like I don't know why we're so focused on what everybody else is doing. Like focus on on what you're doing and hey, like I you know, I, I think I brought up this analogy to you earlier too, where it's like, all right, if I'm a LeBron James, or let's say I'm a uh, Tom Brady or some su stuff. And I, you know, put out this piece of content or something, or if I, you know, I come up with this workout routine and then all of a sudden I see someone else doing the same thing. Like you think those guys are going to get pissed over it and start, you know, saying, no Oh, way. you're copying me. They're going to say, Hey, at the end of the day, you can do what you want, but I'm going to beat you on the field. I mean, if he wants to make it a competition, because I do feel like that's what this is turning into. It's like, 
you know, have the, have a LeBron mentality where it's like, hey, like I'm not going to care what anybody else is doing. And like, I, I don't need to get in a big Twitter beef or a big Instagram beef. And like, again, I, I, I'm a little disappointed that he blocked me and, and didn't want to just talk it out. But at the end of the day, if that's how things are going to be, it's fine. But, you know, I'll continue to just try to try to be the best person I can be and try to be the, be the most transparent I can with our fans. And cause you know, I did see some people hopping in and saying, well, well I'm a huge fan of you now. I, I was a huge fan. I prevail. And it's so sad to see you guys ripping off. And that, that's the oh, issue. With- let me, let me, let me speak for you there. Uh, because I, I, you know, you don't need to even, even say anything on that. If you're a fan of a band and something like that causes you not to be the fan, you're dumb. You have a low IQ. If something like that, fucking causes you to dislike someone that's dumb i think even ronnie would admit that this is if 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 i ask ronnie three weeks from now if this was really that big of a deal if he's a serious person and he is a serious person he's gonna say yeah i was just fucking off you know all right i want to ask you about you've got all this time off okay you've got your quarantine you're locked up in the crib you're playing some call of duty what else are you doing? Are you writing some tracks? I mean, what is in the future for I Prevail I mean, right, right now? Right now, it's just it's just the brainstorming. I mean, I've always called myself a scatterbrain, um, that just because that's where I am. I'm always thinking about every 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 little thing I can think of that can continue to further our band and 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 break boundaries. You know, I I brought up earlier that you know we have some pretty crazy music videos that we've already filmed with my boy Ben. We've made some big moves over the last six months where we have some tracks coming out with some pretty big artists that I'm super excited about that are really gonna continue to try to push the boundary. I mean that's something I prevail is always tried to do, whether it's the music, whether it's the features we have. And and you know, one of this artists is a is a pretty big rapper and, and we did a song that really talks about a lot of what's going on in America right now and, yeah. and kind of the the social structure that that we're living in. And, and we kind of paired up and wrote a song that I think is gonna gonna really I, impact a lot of people. I love that you guys are crossing over into the hip hop world where hip hop is so big right now. And the idea that you guys are really leaning into that and collaborating, there are a lot of hip hop artists that want to work with rock uh, musicians. Hundred percent. I mean, dude, same with the EDM space. And I can actually openly talk about this because it is on YouTube because there's been some live performances of it. But we also have a track coming out with Elenium, who is a huge EDM artist. Wow. And you know that that's the type of stuff where like we're continue just trying to to push boundaries and do things that are a little bit different. And I don't want anybody to look at that and say, Oh, well you're doing an EDM song. So does that mean you're not going to go heavy or something? You know, if anybody knows my band, they know that all of our songs are all over the place. And that's, that's kind of like the the pocket we like to be in. We love to write our heavy shit. We love to write our in the middle shit. We like to write our soft shit. We love to, you know, utilize Eric's, you know, screams in in a ton of songs. We utilize, love to utilize like, you know, if, a song like goodbye though, where all of a sudden it's like, we don't want Eric to just, you know, and Eric too, doesn't just want to scream on every song where all of a sudden now screams over EDM stuff on some of your music. Exactly. I mean, Eric can do anything and he's even, you know, started to bring some, some rapping into his music and stuff. And I think that's where it's just like, we're trying to push boundaries and do things that are very different. So, I mean, we have some amazing stuff still lined up for this trauma cycle. And our plan too, is to still film some awesome music videos. Um, you know, I, again, I can't say the, the videos that we've already filmed, but we're sure. trying to film a couple more. Um, and just, you know, writing writing music video scripts. I love working with Ben Peru, who's the best dude in the world. Um, that guy's amazing, on man. On videos. Because I'll never forget is we when we wrote the Breaking Down, you know, 
uh, video, he let me tell my entire story. And then he was like, all right, give me like two hours. I'm going to come back to you with some ideas and stuff. And boom, before you know it, we had this entire thing built out and same with bow down. When we were talking about the music industry and us trying to be forced to do things we don't want to do. And instantly we just, we, you know, just hit so much. And that, that's something we're trying to do in the future too. And I'm trying to bring in people in music videos that, that I've become good friends with, whether my boy, Justin Jackson, who plays for the chargers is going to be featured in a music video. My boy, Jake. From, yeah. I mean, even my boy, Jake from Mr. Beast is going to be in a music video. There's so many Jake the Viking, huh? I'm a fan Jake of that the Viking. guy. Oh, he's the best dude. He will that's beat awesome. your ass. Though. You be careful. <laughs> I know, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not messing no, with I him. Need to, I need to get him to, uh, to train me because that dude is, yeah one of the buffest guys I've ever met, but he, he he's a total sweetheart too. I love, but, I love watching him on Mr. Beast's channel. Oh, he, he's great. But I mean, we're just trying to do cool stuff like that. We've talked about, you know, especially with, and you know, this is something I'd love to talk about too, with this whole coronavirus um, outbreak. It, it's going to be really hard on the music industry for a little bit, not only for ourselves as a band, but you know, all of our crew is without jobs now. You know, a lot of these label people are going to sit there and go, well, shit, you know, you know, there, there's so many people that are impacted by this. So we're trying to come up with ways to one, still be able to interact with our fans, you know, which whether it's music videos, something I talked to you about is we yeah. might start a Patreon or a Facebook subscriptions or something like that, where maybe we do some live concerts, maybe like we, only fans, not that, not, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think you're going to be, see your, see your boys, uh, <laughs> See doing any of that any, yeah. anytime soon but you know we, we want to do cool things you know we we love watching youtube and yep. whether it's the hot one series we'd love to like do yep. our own take on that or you know trying to trying to just do cool things that that our fans really like but you know you, outside you guys that are like one of the first youtube like integrated bands too because you you have so many connections in that youtube space on very big channels and you have those relationships and those friendships it would be really cool to see you guys branch out more into that like that's something we'd love to do i mean yeah. i think too we'd love to show our personalities off a little more and kind of let fans in you know i've talked to you we're working with ben and I, i'm i'm really hoping you know as you know a lot of this story is building up we, we have film of so much crazy stuff over the last couple of years where we really want to you know make a documentary and kind of tell our story and i i want you know I want, when I was 18, there were, there were very few things I could look at. You know, there, there were a couple documentaries. I remember looking at the 30 seconds to Mars, um, documentary, which was yes. incredible. The one and, about um, the record label. Deal. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And, and, and also there was a, a documentary that I recently watched. It was the Avicii documentary that, that broke me down in tears just cause I watched mm. that guy and I, I was like, wow, me and you are, I mean, you were literally the, the, the same person. So I, you know, I, one, I really want to open up and tell our story, but I also want people to to be able to kind of get a grasp of the music industry and how cutthroat it is and, and how decision making works. And just, I want to empower people to say, all right, you know, maybe I can do this on my own for a little bit. Or if I do sign with a label and don't get me wrong, I, I, I love our label now and they've weeded out a lot of the, um, the, the bad apples that, that were in there. But, um, you know, I want people to watch something and be like, all right, you know, I kind of have a headspace of what this guy went through and what this band went through in their story. And I can kind of, kind of use that as a crutch if I'm feeling, oh, I don't know what to do in this. In this. I, I want to empower, you know, young artists to say, yeah. hey, you know, I can I can build something for myself and I don't have to be a slave to, you know, anybody. I, I can I can do the things I want because that, that was the hardest thing forming as a band initially. You just, again, I'll, I'll reiterate, you had so many people with their hands in the cookie jar that it, it got really depressing and it, and it felt like your baby that you work so hard to, you know, raise and, 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 and build the way you want. And someone's coming in and telling them, Oh, you got to do this. 
You got to do this now. You got to do this. Oh, you like to do this? You can't do this anymore. I mean, shit, I even remember one of the first talks I had with a record label guy because I had started dating what now is my fiance who, who we've been dating for five years, but we were dating for two weeks at the time when I met this guy. And he told me I had to, like, he essentially told me you should probably break up right now because there's no fucking way it lasts. And I remember that. I will always remember that moment. And I told myself, I'm going to prove this motherfucker wrong because I love this girl and I'm not going to be like everybody Who else. And I say that, man. There, there's some crazy shit out there. I mean, dude, we haven't even got into half the stuff. And, you know, I probably couldn't even say it for legal yeah, purposes. for sure, for sure. There, there's, there's this, you know, I, I want to continue to just keep doing things, whether it's music videos, whether it's features, whether it's um, cool content. And then, you know, overall, I'm just super excited to continue writing new music for I Prevail. You know, once we kind of get done with this cycle, Steve, Eric, and I and uh, Tyler have already talked about really, you know, we, we've been sharing songs back and forth and, and, and wow. some different ideas. I got some different melodies already, different, different lyric ideas and whatnot. And we're ready to just, you know, trauma was something that that was our first record ever with Tyler. And I think we all know how successful, I mean, absolutely. Shit, if you would have, if you would have told me going into that, that you're going to go get a Grammy nomination off of it, I would have called you crazy. I mean, yeah. it, that, that was something that I think, you know, I, I literally was in tears that day because you know, I called Tyler and I just told him like, we did it, man. I, I remember like all the hardships we went through writing the record and people being like, all right, we need the record now. And I was just saying, just hold on. We need a couple more months. We're not putting this out until we're a hundred percent ready. Yeah. And as just, you should, as you should. And yeah. I, I'm just, you know, not only am I happy for us, but I'm, I'm happy for Tyler, especially too. Cause I look at him and he, like I said, he was a guy I looked up to for so long in danger kids. And I had always wanted to work with him and I never felt like danger kids and him got the respect they deserved and, and got the accolades they deserved. So not only was I so happy for us when that Grammy nom came in, but I, in my heart, I was just so fucking happy that, you know, one of my best friends essentially now gets to, gets to get in the limelight a little bit and people need to recognize how good he is and how hard he works at his craft. And, and that's something where, you know, I'm just, Knowing what we already have written with each other and, you know, other guys, too, that we've written with David Pramick and Eric Ron, who I also have to mention in this interview, because they're also amazing people. And we wrote some amazing songs on trauma with them as well. Um, Eric Ron, just, I think he worked with Godsmack on their most recent album. And uh, they have this song called like When Legends Rise. And it's so freaking catchy. That dude is a it, monster. I writing choruses with Eric Ron and, and it's just so much fun. It literally, I, I, I get chills even thinking about it just because there's such a mood. And, and even with David Pramick too, who we wrote breaking down with, who really allowed us to just be open and, and really, you know, the same way Tyler kind of treated us when, when, whenever we would write songs with him, just put a passion into it and just said, let's, let's not be cookie cutter. Let's be real. Let's be raw. Let's do things different. Let's not end with a third course. Let's end with a really down part and let's just get weird with it and, and be outside the box. And I think that's why I'm just so excited to continue, you know, knowing that now we've kind of found ourselves. Cause I really yeah. do feel like right now I've never felt as free as, as I yep. felt in span in terms of, I just, especially with our relationship with a label now and our relationship with our manager, Mike Gibson, um, our relation and just a, the relationship as a band, how close and tight we all are. Oh, We're just and, so excited and, to go in and write and this record. And speaking of your management, another thing that people don't realize is that this whole pretty much uh, uh, when you launch trauma, you know, this highly anticipated record that went on, you know, this, this new album, still relatively new comes out, does huge things, multi nominated for multiple Grammys, you were self-managed at that time. You went through a management change, whatever, and you guys were managing yourselves. Well, I'll be honest with you. It was just kind of the whole, you know, we have a song called 
dead weight. And I, I don't want to call these people dead weight because I don't think they're dead weight. But I, I do think, you know, there was there there was a, a phase for us where we needed to cut out people who didn't have the same ideas as us anymore and didn't have the same faith in us that we had in ourselves. And mm-hmm. I think once we put out trauma, we said, you know, there's nobody out there that we want to work with right now. And, and honestly, too, Steve, me and Eric, you know, the greatest thing about all three of us is we're so we're the same person, but we're also different where Steve comes from a banking background. I come from a marketing background. Eric grew up going to so many shows and working on merchandise and stuff yep. that we all can kind of cover so many bases where with, with help from the label and whatnot, we've really been able this whole year, we were able to kind of make things happen. And we did make the call. Um, we brought in a guy named Mike Gibson, who, who is, we, we've worked with for a couple of years and he did a lot of our stage production for a while. And he, he's the best dude in the world. He played football at Ohio state. Um, and he just has a belief in us. So he's like jacked. He's like jacked. He's pretty ripped. I'll be honest. There's a lot of ripped people around. It's kind of making me. I, I need to start hitting the gym because. Uh, Dude, I need to start doing are, some push-ups are, and like, eating less. Yeah, like. Get on that Bowflex, baby. Dude, I got. Do you know I got the Bowflex that you t- hey. told me about? I've got the Max Trainer. I've had the flu. But so I put. I wish I could pick this up and show you the room. But like uh, and this right here, I've got. I've had congestion because of the flu. It's one of those little things. Um. But so I got the max trainer. Let's talk a little physical fitness, man, because you're you're a fitness guru, <laughs> dude. And seriously, I've taken yeah, not, your... not as much as Steve and Gabe. Steve and yeah. Gabe are the uh, those are the fitness gurus. I'm just the guy who likes to think I'm a fitness guru. Yeah. Well, so I've got um, like this training platform. So this year in January, you know, I've I've gained a bunch of weight, whatever, fat ass, ha ha ha. Everybody laugh at me, but listen. I've been lifting weights and I've put on a lot of muscle and I've been getting, so years ago, I used to be jacked. I used to be throwing weight around, powerlifting, stuff like that, and used to be very strong when I played football and stuff like that. Then I got lazy, I got complacent, all that good stuff. So I've got all the weights in my house now and I can lift and do all that stuff and, but my issue with the with the weight has been there were times over the last year, okay, DoorDash comes out. DoorDash changes my shit, changes the game. I know that. I know that Bro, game. It's dangerous. It gets dark, man. So Here's like the biggest oh go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so so I I'm I'm sitting there and I work all I work all day. I work nonstop, dude. So like 10 p.m. comes around, 10 or 11 p.m. is about when I'm done working every day. It takes a lot to run this business. It, it's tough. You know, we have a country music channel as well. There's just a bunch of shit. So a lot of paperwork. So I get done at that time. And then I go and crack open a claw. Okay. <laughs> it's delicious. I crack it open. I go sit on the couch and I turn on Dateline. I watch my murder mysteries. This is my routine every night. And so I sit down and I put them on. I'm, I'm watching it. And I get hungry as fuck. And I, I get on DoorDash. Gotta hold bro, it. Gotta and my brother, hold it. <laughs> and my brother, will, he's like, he's like, dude, that's so depressing. My brother, <laughs> I'll tell him the story. I'm like, dude, there have been times where I've ordered McDonald's on DoorDash, and I've fallen asleep before oh, they no. got there, dude. Oh, and no. they'll leave it on the porch. <laughs> so as, as a as an old delivery driver, that is a sin, Brian. Dude, you can't it's do so that to pathetic. People. No, you got but that it's, guy it's, calling you being like, shit, where is this guy? He's where's he? I'm sleeping and then I'm waking up and eating a quarter pounder with cheese at like 1.30 in the morning. So needless to say, 
Okay, it went it went bad for me for a time, and everyone on in the comments they call me uh, what is it, Curly? So I look oh, just no. like, dude. I look just like Curly from the Three Stooges. It's and it, it is funny. I do laugh at it, but the moral of the story is, and I'm saying this because I'm holding myself accountable. You know, the moral of the story is is that I have been lifting. I've been out walking. I've been using oh, the Max great, Trainer. Man. So I'm seeing gains. I, let me see if I can get the flex in there. But I'm if you can a little touch bit. it, I see that you, now you got to work those triceps. Baby. I know. Yeah. There's no. There's no definition here. But if you could feel it, there's some girth. Well, that's the thing. I mean, even just like you know, kind of, kind of basing off your story. What something I figured out after my big vocal surgery because I wasn't in the best shape, and after that vocal surgery, I ate so bad because I was so sad and just I, I thought things were over, and yeah, I was just like, ah, fuck everything. Where like one thing I really figured out, and I'm so lucky I got with a great doctor. His name's Dr. Lorenz. And honestly, I, I don't want to say he saved my life, but he, he was a he was a huge, huge part of getting me back to a, a healthy spot where he really kind of explained to me how important, you know, long term health is and your gut health and how the things you eat affect your mood and can affect your headspace. And, you know, he actually got me on an antidepressant and stuff, too, and, and got me working out and got me on a routine where it's just so important. And even on the road and something, you know, I have a vocal coach named Jamie Vendero, too, who's also been a lifesaver for me where something I've just figured out as the years continue to go on is if, if you want something, you just like you said, you have to hold yourself accountable because nobody at the end of the day can want something more than you want it. So for, for even me going into this last Europe tour, I told myself I'm going to sing every single day before this tour. I'm going to sing this set list no matter what I'm feeling. If I don't want to do it, I am just going to bust it out. And on the Europe tour, I had some of the best shows of my career just because I put in that work. And whether it's that, whether it's eating healthy, whether it's working out every day, if you have something that you really want to go out and accomplish, you just you got to fight those demons in your head that say, you know, ah, you know, you can skip today or ah, because all of a sudden skipping one day turns into two days, then it turns into three days, then it turns into a week. And before you know it, all the progress that you've kind of already already made on what you're trying to accomplish is just gone. And I think that's something that I want people to take away from, you know, kind of kind of looking at your and I story, because I know we were in very similar places when, when I sent you some of the trauma songs where we were both kind of in a dark spot and we, we needed to, to dig ourselves out. And I think that's something that you know, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's a day by day thing. You're never going to just con completely transform yourself. I mean, shit, even as a singer, as a vocalist, as a songwriter every day, I mean, even, you know, with my health as a family man, every day I'm trying to get better at what I do. And I'm trying sure. to one, look back and say, all right, what did I do good today? What did I do bad today? And then just, just try to try to take the good out of it and then move on to the next day. And I think that's, that's so important. And then even kind of just trickling back into what you were asking about, you know, with I prevail, what's the, What's the future hold? I, you know, I can't, I can't give exact answers, but the biggest thing I can tell you is day by day, I'm just going to work as hard as I can on this project and continue to just try to, um, try to be a trendsetter and try to be somebody that, you know, I want to be the guy when I was 18, I looked up to guys like Jeremy McKinnon and I looked up to guys like Ollie Sykes. I mean, I looked up to these different artists that I just thought were, their bands were so different and their aesthetic was so different and they, they were just so real and, and raw with their fans and, that's something that I, I want to continue doing, you know, as a front man of this band. You're going to, it's going to keep getting bigger for you guys. You are the future of rock, in my opinion. There's going to be bands out there in the future. I, you know, we're going to be talking about, obviously, bands like Five Finger Death Punch. Um, we're going to be talking about bands like I Prevail, bands like Bad Wolves, bands like Nothing More. 
Um, there are just so many bands out there that are actually starting to rise. A little bit different than your band, but Ghost. Uh, you know, bands that are younger. Greta Van Fleet. We've got bands that are growing, that are, are getting bigger. And what you're going to see is there is probably going to be a consolidation of a lot of these smaller bands that, you know, it's going to be hard economically for them to be able to continue. But bands like I Prevail, bands like Bad Wolves, things like that, they're going to continue. Well, to that's right, bigger. too. Not and, and not to cut you off, but even, you know, a lot of the bands you listed there are maybe a little bit more in the 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 pure rock space than yeah. our band. Where, like, I do... You know, I, I, you know, not, not to, not to discount any of those bands because I think sure. they're all great, but I, but I, you know, I am really excited too for, you know, we're, our buddies in Wage War, Siler and stuff, I, all these bands that I think are so good and so talented that just aren't being pushed enough, whether it is yeah. the rock radios of the world, whether it is, you know, the YouTube algorithms just aren't giving them a chance to, to blow up. I mean, I think Wage War, Siler, I mean, even, you know, I'm, I'm so, so, so excited. They, they've been kind of, kind of quiet for a minute, uh, for a little bit here, but I'm so excited to hear what Vic and Pierce Avail are working on with their next record. And sure, you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of acts out there who, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people like to say, oh, they're just a metalcore band or they're a scene band. But there's yeah. so much talent out there, and there's so many bands that that are so good. I mean, they're so good that I think, you know, I, I hope our band can continue to to get bigger and 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 more people can look at our band and then they go on our Spotify and they look at the related artists and see. Oh, these Siler guys are really cool. They have two vocalists too. They do some like stuff in the hip hop scene and whatnot. Oh, yeah. these guys wage war. Oh shit, they have heavy stuff, but they have lighter Love stuff. Wage they, war, man. The nicest dudes. And at the yeah. end of the day, I just want people to win who are good people, and all those yep. people are. Brian, thank you so much for coming on today. We've covered so much ground. Uh, you know, I could talk to you for five more hours. And it still wouldn't be enough, but we'd be like passing out at this point. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to bore the people too much. Yeah, we're going on probably yeah. two hours almost. Oh here. no, people, people will watch this. It was substantive, know. you know. But, um, but so thank you so much. And is there anything that you want to plug moving forward? Is that you know follow you guys on Spotify, right? Let's let's follow. I prevail on Spotify. Yeah, definitely go listen to Hurricane Reimagined. Obviously, you know because uh, <laughs> that's such a such a big damn thing right now no, but i mean just you know check out our music and watch our videos i mean that's one thing too i, I would love for people to check out the music videos more because we do yeah. work really hard on on each one even super a high quality gas even a video named gasoline that you know is kind of about physical abuse that that we worked really hard with with a youtuber named daz black who is the biggest sweetheart of a guy he's actually from the uk and he flew over to boston and, and we filmed it on an off day on tour but you know that's a video i'd love for for people to check out and you know even if you've never seen breaking down or bow down or, or any of our um videos off this trauma cycle i'd love for people to check that out and just kind of keep your eyes tuned you know we have some really big stuff you know coming with these videos we have in the future and some of these features that that we have coming up and you know we're just going to continue to keep kind of pressing as much content out as we can and trying to um trying to give our fans as, as much content as we can uh, especially now that we're kind of back home all of a sudden i didn't mm -hmm. think we would uh I didn't think we would be back home right now. So we'll have some time to kind of whip some more stuff up for sure. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us here today. If you're new here, you can listen to this wherever music podcasts are available. Uh, you know, we're on Spotify, all that good stuff. You can subscribe with notifications on as well. So you don't miss out on breaking news and updates here at Rockfeed. We have daily news, all that stuff. And as well as these sort of long form podcasts on occasion as well. Historical bios on bands, all that good stuff. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you all very, 